Hello, and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. Right, I'm going to start by asking how many of us were not here last week, apart from mom and dad and Sam and Anne that I know about. Who else wasn't here last week? A few people. <laughs> a few people. Amen. Right. Um, what I'm going to do is for the benefit of those that were not here last week, I'll just do a very quick recap on what we went through last week. I'm trusting that you'll be able to connect to this week and the Lord will, you know, bless us as we, as we connect both together in the name of Jesus. So the title of my message last week or the title of God's message to us last week, um, whichever way you want to put it, it's either boundless love or love without boundaries. Now, can I just say that it wasn't, an intention, it wasn't intentional for me to have that just before the month of February. And when I started putting my notes together, I did it with the hope that, oh, I'll be able to finish. And then I added more and added more. And then I thought, this has to be a two-part series. So, you know, God is a master planner. So it works well that it comes into the month of February. Amen. So I started off by exalting us with Second Peter um, chapter 1, you know, as um, Simon Peter wrote, reminding us that there's no new revelation out there. And we're just called to encourage each other with the things that we already know. So if anyone stands and says, there's, I've got a new revelation, there isn't any new revelation. But what the Bible encourages us to do is that we are to remind ourselves of the things that he has already taught us. Amen. And we establish that each one of us, either man or woman or animal species, are wired up for the need with the need for love. Amen? Or who doesn't need a bit of love in their lives? Right, I do. I want abundance of it. So each one of us, amen, <laughs> each one of us are wired up with a need for love, and we will pursue love. So that either that be a love between couples, a love between siblings or parents, or even a love between friends. I mean, some people have a love for activity, for sports activities, you know, my nephew taught me something. He said, well, you love people. You don't love things. So I'm still learning <laughs> that part of it. Um, and we also looked at the unique relationship between couples and how God established that relationship. Now, what we did last week for the benefit of um, Sam and Anne, because what I did in the course of the week last week was I sent Sam a list of questions and he sent me the answers. And before he had an opportunity to have a pillow talk with his wife that night to tell her what I'd asked, I phoned Anne in the evening and I asked her those same questions. Now, she gave me her answers, um, which I already had Sam's answers. So she was asking me, what are Sam's answers? I said, well, you can now have a pillow talk with your husband and he can tell you the answers. And what we did here on Sunday, which was a lovely quiz, was I got Nikki out because I know that Nikki has known Sam for, she said, 20 years. I think it's a little bit longer than that because I remember that I used to go drop Sam at home when he was about six years old. 
<laughs> Amen. Yes. So, um, so I believe. But the point I was really trying to establish and pass over was that the quantity does not equate to quality. So the fact that Anne had known Sam for 11 years and Nikki has known Sam for over 20 years, right? It was glaring that Sam, uh, Anne knew a lot and knows a lot more about Sam than Nikki does. And that's the same when it comes to our relationship with God. The fact that we have been a Christian for 10 years and 15 and 20 years does not mean that we have that quality of relationship with him. Yeah? Are we getting somewhere there? Right. Now, the other thing that that quiz was able to establish is that there are certain things that even though mom and dad had been have been married for over 40 years, there are still things that mom doesn't know about dad and things that dad doesn't know about mom. Now, what I was able to, well, what I wanted to pass across in that is that it, a lot of it is not intentional. Hear me right. A lot of it is not intentional. Now, there are things that probably discussion hasn't got to that point. And because of that, it's not come up. Now, but saying that, there's a small percentage, a very small percentage of revelations that have been intentionally held back. Right, so there are, there's a little percentage of information that as couples, as individuals, that we hold back. Now, when I say as individuals, there are certain things that I don't know about Nikki. Much as we think in sync, there's a few things I don't know about Jimmy that he probably thinks, mm, if I tell my mom this, she'll probably be upset with me. So he feels it's best to hold back. You know, when we hear that um, um, what you don't know does not hurt you. So those are some of the things that we established. But for, those, for that minority, we can say that their relationship is with boundaries. Can we agree on that? Because if someone is intentionally holding something back, from their mom, from their husband, from their wife, from their sibling, from their sister, whatever it is, that means that those, that relationship actually does have an element of boundaries, right? But God is calling us to a relationship without boundaries. And that's why when that song was on, it says freely he gave it all for us. God did not withhold half of his son. He didn't say, oh, you know what? I'll give you Jesus, but I'll give you 95% of Jesus. And I'll hold back 5%. He gave him all. And we looked at the correlation between the marriage institution and our work with God. And how similar they are. To each of it, you take a vow. Because you take a vow in marriage. You take a vow when you, when, when you give your life to Christ, that I will serve him for the rest of my life. 
we looked at the fact that both have challenges and we have to deal with those challenges as we go along. And we finished off by looking at some scriptures. We looked at Isaiah 43, we looked at Isaiah 45, and Revelation 21. And those three scriptures, the passages we read, confirmed God's promise to us in that he would do a new thing in our lives. You know, I mentioned about, okay, it's a new year, it's a new beginning. You know, we, we wore the t-shirt a few weeks ago. You know, new beginning with fresh anointing. We make new goals, we make new targets. Some of us rejig last year's goals. All these are to help us to get to a better place. And whilst we did all that, God is saying to us, I want more of you. I want you to give me all the same way I have given you all of me. So today we're going to look at some of those hindrances. What are the things that hold us back from giving our all to God and how we can overcome them? So I've got, um, I've got some slides there. Now what we're going to do is we're going to have a voiceover and we're just going to go through those slides. And the reason I've done this, not so much for the adults who probably have read the Bible over once or twice, but for the younger ones to be able to follow through as we go into the proper message for today. So over to you. So he's going to be reading from Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 19. Mark 5, verses 1 to 19. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gardeners. Oh, sorry. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, there they met him out of the tombs, a man of an unclear spirit, unclean spirit, who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the, the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains so the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean, then the unclean, then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and took and they told it in the city and it in the country and they were and they went out to see what was 
what was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and that the legion sitting and clothed and in his right and was in his right man, mind and they were afraid and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine then he began to plead with him to depart from their region amen amen so i'm going to just going to carry on from here praise god so um if you go back to verse 16 and 17 and, and those who saw it told them how it had happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then he, they began to plead to him, with him, to depart from their region. Amen. Amen. So um, another version said, he s- and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to leave them alone. So they had just witnessed here, a very astonishing miracle. Yet they were pleading with Jesus to leave them alone. Now, question is, was Jesus too powerful or was he unpredictable that they didn't want him messing up with their lives? But either way you look at it, they didn't want anything of what Jesus was about to give them. Now, leave me alone. Now, those might not be the exact words that we say. Maybe access denied, but in the way that we carry ourselves, the way we behave, when Jesus calls us, when God calls us to do things, in effect, this is what we're saying. Leave me alone. Because we have compartmentalized lives. We have lives for work. We have lives for church. We have lives for social Our lives are so compartmentalized that when God calls us or Jesus calls us, we give him a restriction. We restrict him with our money. We restrict him with our time. We restrict him with our prayers. We restrict him and say, okay, I'll do things at my own convenience. And sometimes we actually search for scriptures to justify what we're saying. Or sometimes you find that people actually misquote the word of God and say, this doesn't apply. We are in the 21st century. It doesn't apply to us now. It applies in the Old Testament. It applies in Bible times. You know, one thing I never say of a Bible is that it's a story. For me, it's an account because it really happened. Or sometimes we say God understands. He sure does understand. But he still calls us to do things. So what are those hindrances? I think we do have a slide there for... We're struggling on that. So we're going to look at some of the hindrances. So we're looking at the pressure of life. Pressure of work. Because there are times that, you know, we spend so much time at work, we get home, we're tired, you know, family pressures, friends. I was speaking to someone last week, I think it was, and she said to me, someone said to her, oh, you're, you're, you're not one of them, are you? You believe that church thing? 
It's almost as if church is outdated. And she said, yes, I am one of them. And I still believe that church thing. And even the society puts so much pressure on us that we don't have the time for the things of God. Or is it the fear of losing out on what we deem to be pleasures of life? We want to fit in. And these are all different pressures that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't want to be left out. Or is it the fact that we can handle things ourselves because we know that we've, I've got a handle on this. So I don't need God. I know what to do. And we go through these every single day. We might not use these exact words, but by the way we carry ourselves, by the way we act, that is in effect what we're saying to God. Or is it the fact that we don't want God to disturb our business as usual? Because we know that there are certain things, when God calls us to do certain things, he's going to disrupt our day-to-day -day life. Just think about when Jesus cast out the demons from that man. The pigs, those pigs were owned by someone. The Bible says it's about 2,000 pigs. So you can imagine the, the worth of those pigs in those days and what they're worth in today's money. And there are times when God would ask us to do things that in the physical, it would sound as if we are losing out. Or is it because we're resistant to change? And you find this is so common, especially in the workplace. If you've been in a workplace for so long and there's a change to come about, people are resistant to change because they, they have a comfort zone. They're just happy where they are. But are these part of the hindrances to what God wants to do in our lives? And these are questions for us to answer. And I ask us this, if our thoughts were to speak out loud, the things that we are our secret thoughts, who only God knows about, if our thoughts were to speak out loud, what would they say? Would they say, yes, Lord, I want you to be my Lord at home, but not at work. Because I don't want to tell them at work that I'm a Christian for fear of what they would say. Or in my public life, yes, oh yeah, when I'm in church and I'm standing here or I'm in praise and worship, yes, you know, you can, you can, you can deal with me, Lord. You can do anything you want with me. But no, when I go out with my friends and my buddies and my dudes, you know, I want to be left alone to do my own thing. Oh, Lord, I'm happy to pay my tithes, but no more. Don't ask, don't ask me to come and pay into the mission fund or, you know, the building fund or love in action or any, or, you know, or any charity. I'll pay my tithes, but that's about it. Are those things that are holding us back? Or one that I hear so often, you know, I'll serve you, Lord, but please don't send me to that mission field. I'll choose what mission field I want to go to. And we do that. You know, God's saying, I want to send you out, 
And he's praying, Lord, let it be America. Oh, let it be some other rich country. Oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go to a rich country. But when God is asking us to go to some village in, on the outskirts of Venezuela, we're rebooking the devil. You know, one thing as Christians that we tend to resist a lot is our pockets. When God says, when you've got 50 pounds in your pocket and God says, take 40 pounds and go and bless someone. They're like, get thee behind me, Satan. But God is saying, I've got somebody who has 100 pounds to release into your hands. But we need to release what we have. Or when God wakes you up in the middle of the night and says, I want you to intercede on behalf of someone. And you're saying, I need to sleep. God knows I've got to go to work in the morning. I mean, you filling those gaps. For each one of us, those gaps are different. For each one of us, those hindrances are different. But whatever those hindrances are, we need to remember that God has called us to a love without boundaries. Which means he has given us every single self of himself. Every single bit of himself. He has not hidden anything. And that is why he said to Abraham, he says, will I hide from my friend what I am about to do? And if he will not hide it from Abraham, he will not hide it from us. And that's why the Bible says, those who know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. But it takes those who know their God. If we don't know God, we will not be strong and we will not do exploits. We need to know him. And that's why Philippians 3 10 says Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being comforted to his death. Amen. Amen. That I may know him. How did Anne get to know Sam? It's a question. Anne how did you get to know Sam so well? How did you get to know Sam so well? By spending time with him. By talking. By listening. By finding out what he likes. That he likes chicken. And he's a size 10. And he likes reckless love. They had to spend time together. And the same for each one of us. If we want to know God, we need to spend time with God. The amount of time that you spend with God determines how much you know about him. If you give him one hour of your day, you will get the equivalent of that. If you give him four hours of your day, you will get the equivalent of that. God, he is not a partial God. You wonder sometimes, why is that it that that person knows so much? 
about God. It's because they've taken time to spend with him. They've got to know him that little bit better. And if Apostle Paul could say, with him having written most of the New Testament, could still say that he does not know God as much as he should, how much more myself and you? He spent time with God. And that's why I say we never, never arrive with God. Till the day we close our eyes in glory, we will still find out new things about him. But the only way, there is no other way. And that's why that song says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. There's no other way for us to know him than to spend time with him. You know, God is inviting each and every one of us, not as a visitor. A visitor comes to your house, he has a time that he has to leave. Even if it's your mom, if it's your dad. The fact that they're here in your home, they have a time they have to leave. But God has called us to himself, not as a visitor, but as a family member. And to enjoy all the benefits, not just some of the benefits, all of the benefits that go with it. And that's why he says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So that means that whatever it is that Jesus Christ has, we are at liberty to have those same promises. If only we will take hold of it. God's gift, the Bible says, are without repentance. He gives us a gift. He doesn't take it back. But we need to avail ourselves. We need to do what's needful. How do, you know, how do you get something? By knowing about it. When you know about it, then you can claim what's rightfully yours. If I had two million sitting in the bank account, and no one, amen. <laughs> and no one tells me about it. How would I know to claim it? To each one of us, the promises of God has our names on it. All those biblical promises, they're tied to deeds and it has your name on it. God is sitting there and saying, why isn't my daughter claiming her healing? Why isn't she claiming her breakthrough? Why aren't we claiming those promises? And the reason we're not claiming them is because we don't know about them. Or we're not taking hold of them. So today I encourage us. For whatever situation you're going through. For whatever need that you have. Look for the word of God that speaks to that situation. And stand on that word. And claim it. Because he has said that his words will not go back to him void. But they would accomplish. And if those words are going to accomplish, God has spoken his word. He's not a man that he should lie. If God has promised me something, oh, I'm, I'm going to do well to claim it. 
and I'm going to be reminding him that you said, Papa, this is what you said in your word. This is what I've read in your word. It's not just for anybody. It's not just for certain people. It's for me as well. I'm a covenant child. I'm the apple of your eye. I would claim my inheritance. And it's the same for each one of us to claim what God has in stock for us. Let's overcome all those hindrances. When I became saved, I lost a lot of friends. Because they thought it wasn't the cool thing to do then. And you find even these days, it's still not the cool thing to do. For some people, until you're enjoying the benefits of it. You know, question I ask myself is, why have I waited this long? Because I know the benefits of being in Christ. And I want more of him. Like we sang that song last week. I want to seek him more. I want to know him more. I want to sit at his feet. I want to drink from the cup in his hands. And until we do that, we can't reap the full benefits of being in Christ. You know, before I got saved, I used to think, oh, well, you know what? When you get saved, you won't enjoy life. You won't be able to dance. You won't be able to, you know. And I went to a church, and the pastor there was, he used to be a, um, he used to be a circular singer in Nigeria in those days. Um, Chris Okoti, I don't know if anyone knows him. And I went to his church in somewhere in West London. And the worship was fantabulous. And I thought, wow, if this is what it's all about, I said, yes, I'm in for this. Because the church I used to go to before was just a regular Baptist church. You know, you go through the motions like, you know, it's almost like a religion you know, you just go through these emotions, same week in, week out, week in, week out. But when I went to that, we, you know, it was like we were dancing, the drumming. And I thought, wow, if this is what the Pentecostal church is about, then yes, I'm in for this. So what I'm saying to us today is, you know, God has opened himself wide for us. And he's expecting the same from each and every one of us. You know, we need to recognize that our souls need a place to call home. And that's why Jesus in John 15 says, live in me and I would live in you. But he says, live in me. So the onus is on us to live in him first. We need to be hungry enough and that's why scripture tells us that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be what? Will be filled. If we're thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. And Christ is that well. And that's why when he met that woman at the well, he says, I will give you water that you will never, never thirst again. Let us have a hunger. Let us thirst 
for the things of God. Only in us testing for the things of God, we will see the full manifestation of what God has in store for us. The Bible says, my soul yearns. It even faints for the courts of the Lord. It says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Unfortunately, a lot of people serve a God that is not living. But praise be to God. We have a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. A God that is living. A God that when we are in situations, he's walking behind the scenes. To ensure that at the end of the day, there is a testimony. And that is the God that we serve. That's the God that I choose to serve. I will serve no other God. I take pleasure in no other God. Because I have seen the goodness of my God. Ultimately accepting that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Can we have that scripture please? Romans 8. It's 35. 35, sorry. Okay. Okay. I'll go 34, okay. 35. Okay. Um, who is he who is he who condemns? It is Christ Amen. Amen. So we are told in his word that nothing, absolutely nothing, shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's why Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God is not calling us to something that he has not already done. Jesus is our example. He has led the way. And all we need to do is to follow. All we need to do is to say yes. Mariama said something on Friday during Bible study. And she was talking about faith. And she said faith is saying yes. It is when you take that first step. Finish it. Yes. Amen. Faith is taking that first step even when you haven't seen the staircase. And there are times when you don't see the staircase. A lot of times you don't see the staircase. So when God is saying, I need you to open up to me, and you're facing situations, it's because you don't see that top of the stairs, but God already sees the top of the stairs and beyond. But he's saying to us, take that first step. As soon as you take that first step, you'll be able to see more of the staircase. And the more you come up, you'll be able to see more and see more and see more. So today, what am I saying to us? Or what's God saying to us? His love without boundaries. That the more you know the word of God, 
the more you spend time with the word of, word of God, the more you know the God of the word. I'll repeat that again. The more you know the word of God, the more you know the God of the word. So it takes us knowing the word of God. And there are times, don't get me wrong, there are times that you read things and it just, you don't understand it. I mean, I've been there. I read certain scriptures and I'm like, oh, what is this about? And that's why we have the Holy Spirit to give us that revelation. There are times when you read a scripture and you think, oh, I know this scripture in and out, in and out, in and out. And then you read it one day and the Lord just reveals a new dimension to you. But whatever it is, for whatever area of your life, nowhere is off limits to God. Don't tell God, I've got a handle on this. You might think you have a handle on it, but God has a better handle on it for you. So let's place everything into the hands of our mighty God and say, Lord, have your way. I've shared with us sometimes when I don't know what to wear in the morning. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I wear today? And I go out and those are the days I get the best compliments. Nothing, nothing, nothing should be off limits to God. God is interested in every single area of our lives. And you know, sometimes you might think he's not interested. Just try him. Lord, what should I eat today? What should I wear today? God wants to be involved in every, every area of our lives. And today as I've shared the love of God that is without boundaries. I want us to bow our heads and just speak to God and say, Father, any area of my life that I have held back, this morning I'm saying, Lord, have your way. I surrender all. I give it all to you, knowing that you have a better handle on things for me. Things that I feel that I could do by myself. I know now that when your hand is in it, when you are in the boat, I will never, never sink. Father, I turn it all over to you. I hand everything over to you. I open my heart wide. To receive your love that has no boundaries. Father, we say thank you, Lord. We give you praise, O oh God. We give you honor. We give you adoration. We thank you, Father, for your love that has no end. Father, we thank you because we don't need to do anything to qualify for your love. We don't need to work for it. Bible says it is by your, it's your grace and it's your mercy we don't have to do anything, Lord. Freely you've given it all for us. Surrendering your love, 
surrendering your life, surrendering your all for us, oh God, that we'll be reconciled unto you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30 a.m. at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.